And as we look at Matthew chapter 10 this morning, you could turn there in your Bibles. You should turn there in your Bibles. Or you can turn on your electronic device and find it in there for you young folks here today. Jesus is uh, making sure his disciples, as they go out, they know, they know that life might be hard. That, that this is not something that will be a walk in the park. And this morning, for, for you all, I think so often as we consider what Jesus calls us to, we say, well, do it. We, we'll be with you, Jesus, unless it gets hard. Unless it costs something. If it fits into my schedule. If I have enough money to do it. If I can do all the things that I want to do and still have time to do what you want me to do, I'm in, Jesus. And this morning, as we finish off what we started last week and Jesus uh, sharing with his disciples full disclosure of what it's going to be like, we're reminded that this is going to be hard. And this morning, some of you might say, I'll pass. I'll pass. I, I uh, you know, I, I think about what Jesus is calling me to, and I'll, I'll pass. Uh if you remember the context of which we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, Jesus looked on the, the crowds with compassion. And he, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. And now he looks to his disciples and he's calling them as laborers, as servants. And I, I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't need any consultants. <laughs> He doesn't need any consultants. He calls laborers. It's not, he doesn't need our smarts, our strategy. He doesn't need our experience. He calls us to be hands, to be workers, to be laborers. And uh, this morning I think about uh, the drug commercials of our day where they have this beautiful scene of someone enjoying life and, you know, the, this one drug solving their problems. And at the end, what does it say? Uh, might have a few side effects. And you go down the list and you're like, uh, you know, I had a little rash to begin with. I had a little rash and this ointment was going to fix my rash. But I might have uh, vomiting and diarrhea and brain damage and uh, won't be able to walk. And, uh, and, and, and at the end, you go, I'll just stay where I am, okay? I'll go with the rash. I'll go with the rash. And some of you might look upon, as Jesus communicates with his disciples, you say, you know, I, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. But I want to tell you that this is a, a message of great cost, of great cost, but also of great worth of following after Jesus. Great worth. And I don't even say it this way, greater worth, greater worth. 
If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you from God's Word, Jesus sending out His twelve disciples. Starting down at verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of, of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics, or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy and there stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you, listen to your your words. Shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and have you flogged in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father is child, and the children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone uh, through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough to the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? God, I ask your blessing on our time that your spirit would work in our midst, changing our hearts, straightening us out, motivating us and and teaching us where we need to go, what we need to do. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we uh, we looked at uh, the beginning of this passage, and it as he shares to his disciples, he says, "I I want you to go out. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. That this is a dangerous assignment. This is not something that will be easy. This is not something that was without danger. But you are to go out." And expect, as my disciples, that this will be dangerous. He also shared with them that the message that they would share in the midst of this danger would not be one that they have to study for. 
This is not one that you could prepare for and not to worry about. But know this, that as you go in situations, the Father will give you words to share. As uh, he, he said this, he also shared that there would be a depth of persecution that even family would be involved. As I look at this passage, I, I want to spread it out and I want you to see that he is speaking to his tw- 12 disciples, but he is also setting a course for what the kingdom mission would be like. And and as we are part of the church, we are not part of this time where Jesus was on the earth sharing about his kingdom. This is the same for us today. That this is what the cost of following Jesus is all about. It's that persecution might happen. Probably will happen. Will happen. Is that it's dangerous work. It is easier to be in a safe place doing nothing than being a part of his discipleship work of going out. And for especially for these twelve as they were doing something new. And in any and every situation where you're doing something different, this persecution will happen from your own home and household. Many of you could uh, speak to this being first generation believers, that your family wasn't really excited about it. For some of them, it was a disowning of you. Some countries today, it is not just a disowning, but a chasing them down in violence and a giving up on them and allowing them and even delivering them over to be killed. Family will be the ones. This morning, uh, we are going to begin with just the two last points in verses 23 down through uh, the end of the section here. And I want to tell you... uh, Jesus has already communicated this with uh, his disciples, but they are to keep moving, keep moving. And in Jesus' work, his kingdom work, I want to tell you that there's a sense of, there's not a sense of closure or completion to anything that we do. Um, I know for Brandon standing up here and looking at these seniors, there's a sense of end to that. Uh, you know, there's a marker, a time where they are done being a high school student. But I want to tell you that I spoke to the youth pastor last week and he shared with me about a young man he was ministering to that was 26 years old, didn't live in this place. And we're never done. We're never done. And so Jesus sends out his disciples to the towns of Israel. And he says, go to each town. Go. This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is your target. This is your place. But the way he describes it is something that kind of rubs maybe some of us wrong. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. What does that sound like? It sounds kind of cowardice, doesn't it? It sounds like being a quitter. It sounds like the idea of giving up. And you say, well, how can this be? I'm not a quitter. 
I'm not moving. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell him over and over and over. I will not quit. And Jesus says, go share. If they don't listen, go to the next town. And then go share. Share this message. If they don't listen, go to the next town. And as we see this, we see, well, you know, I didn't get my homework done. How do I, you know, how do I go to class the next day if I don't get my homework done? If I didn't get 100%, how do I, you know, how do I do this? I'm used to accomplishing. And when I can't accomplish, I don't want any part of it. Jesus set out his disciples and he says, you're not going to finish. You're not going to accomplish. You're going to bounce from town to town telling people and some aren't going to listen. And you just keep going, just keep going. And as we see that, I go, how does that fit into the work of God? I want to tell you, there's a few things that are important for us to remember about the work of God. It's the work of God. It's not the work of the disciples. It wasn't their job. It wasn't their job to finish. It was their job to be a laborer. It's great to be a laborer. It's great to be a laborer. You know why? You just do what you're told. If the ditch isn't dug and, and he says, hey, you come over here and do something else, you say, great, I'm out of the ditch. Somebody else is going to have to pick that up. If, if you get moved to another town, you say, great, somebody else will figure that out. It's the Lord's work. This is so important for us to understand here at Bear Valley Church. This is not our work. This is not our plan. This is not our program. This is not our strategy. This is the work of Jesus. And as he called his disciples, he says, I want you to keep moving. I want you to go from town to town to town telling people. And if they don't listen, keep moving. As he shared this in verse 23, he said, I say to you that you will have not gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. People struggle, and I struggled this week trying to understand um, when the Son of Man's return uh, was in that passage. And I think it was not the return that we wait for, but rather his own resurrection. It seems to fit better with the passage. I could be wrong. Um, but as Jesus was sharing with his disciples, he was saying, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go around and around and you will not finish. You will not finish. Um, most of us like to finish. It's great to finish, don't we? We love it. We love it. Uh, my boys are into weed whacking and, uh, we were talking at the work day yesterday and I, I didn't do any weed whacking. Um, but, uh, few, a few of the men and my boys were talking and some of the other teenagers and they were talking about how great it is to weed whack <laughs> because, uh, y- you know, you, you can't really do anything wrong, right? When the weeds are down they're that's good, right? <laughs> when they're mangled, but, but you can stand back and look at a section and say, I'm finished, I'm finished. I want to tell you, uh, 
that that will never happen with the work of God for us. It'll never happen. The disciples were told, hey, just be laborers, just go. I'm going to tell you where to go, what to do. Just keep moving. Keep working. Keep working hard. I will worry about the finish. There's three common reactions to persecution that I want to share with you. And I think it fits in this context. The first one is to quit. It's hard, so I'll quit. Maybe this morning that's where you're at. You say, you know, I tried to serve the Lord one time, but it just got too hard. The persecution was too much. So I took a step back, sat down, and I quit. I quit. I don't think Jesus is saying quit in this passage. Do you think he's saying quit? There's another reaction uh, to persecution is try harder. Try harder. Uh, If I can't get it done, get a bigger hammer. Get a bigger hammer and just keep wailing on it, right? This is not what Jesus was saying either. He was saying, go in my words, share with the city. If they don't receive you, on to the next. Not just get a bigger hammer. The third one uh, is maybe the one that we do most is we just feel sorry for ourselves. We just kind of lump around and we go, oh, woe is me. This isn't working. I'll just kind of trudge through this. I'll just kind of get. I want to tell you that Jesus' message to his disciples was this. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep working. Don't give up. If it's not working here, move on to the next town. Just keep working. Keep moving. This faithfulness. Allow me to be the one to carry out my kingdom plan. You will not finish. You will not finish. So for us this morning, we need to keep moving. As you look down at verse 24, uh, we see the disciple-teacher relationship. And I want to point this out, and I, I think it's important for us to see this section as important for us to fix in our mind where we are at with the Master. In verse 24, it shares with us that a a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his Master. And the first thing I want to point out is there's two words that he points to his disciple. This is what you are. This is what you are. You are a disciple. You are a disciple. And the second word is you are a servant, or I'd even insert the word laborer, slave. This is what you are. And as his disciples, as they were the 12 of them gathering around, why would this be important for them to remember? A teacher's in charge. Forgive me for talking about teachers. I know I have some in my midst, so I'll try to tread lightly, but probably will not. Uh Once you enter a teacher's room, you've entered into their kingdom. And I try to I I try to explain this to my my children that they go, you know, I'm going to go tell my teacher, you know, I'm going to explain to them where they blew it and this and that. And I'm like, that's just not going to work out so well for you because you're entering in their kingdom and they have all these American ideas of freedom of speech and 
you know, everyone's equal and stuff like that. That's true. Outside the classroom, outside the classroom, there's a sense of kingdom there. And some, you know, some little children, uh, they want to be teachers for the simple reason that they might get a kingdom sometime, that they might be able to be in charge, that they might get the red pen, the red pen and go, or deem someone you've done good stamp. Well done. Uh, they like that. They like that. And I think we all do. We all like to be in charge. But but Jesus points out, he says, this is a disciple-teacher relationship. The word disciple being the word learner. Learner. The one that doesn't know is under the one that does. That you don't know. That you have to go to school that you have to be listening and learning and changing in relationship, the learner or the disciple to the teacher. This is, this is what we need to do. And so he calls to his disciples and he says, we have a disciple-teacher relationship. He also says, though, that it's not just a disciple-teacher relationship but it's also a servant-master relationship. A slave to the master. Most of us like being a boss. This is what I dreamed of. I didn't dream of the teacher thing so much, but I liked the idea of being a boss. I, I, li- I liked it when I saw people in charge telling someone lesser than to go do something, and they did it. And I go, yeah, I want to be a boss someday. I, I want to be in charge That sounds great. And then I look at his kingdom and he points to me and he says, I got a role for you. And I'm like, great boss. And he says, no, I don't need a boss right now. There's there's only one boss and it's me. But he points to us and he says, you are a slave. You are a servant. You are a laborer. This is the relationship that Jesus has with us. He he had it with his original disciples. And he said, as you go out, there's a a disciple-teacher relationship. But it also can be uh, talked about and and characterized as this, as a servant-master relationship. And, And you say, well, what's the big deal with that? It's real simple. That if his disciples went out thinking themselves to be the teacher, they'd get it all wrong. If they went out thinking themselves to be the master instead of the slave, they would have got it all wrong. And the same is true for us this morning. If we forget that relationship, we will start picking and choosing what we do in our own kingdom. We will say, I'm above that task. That's not for me because I'm the master. I'm not the servant. And so Jesus explains to them and he says, what will happen is this. This is a simple thing and it's connected with me, Jesus. And he says the, the servant or the, the disciple will be like his teacher. There will, he will be impacted. There will be a sense of forming to be like the teacher. 
he will, the teacher will teach them how to do things a certain way and it will be the teacher's way to do it. And in the same way, the master uh, is over the servants. And then he connects this one thing. If you look at the, the middle of verse 25, he says this, If they called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? As we are connected with Jesus, we should expect the same treatment that Jesus received. And and what that was, this Beelzebul, is a, a name of a pagan god. It's the idea, you know, they struggle over how demeaning it was, but it was meant to be not the god uh, of the Bible. And not just that, but the wickedest of the wicked. And most likely attributed to Satan himself. And so as they connect that, they looked at what Jesus did. And a few different times in the New Testament, they took what he did for good and they attributed it to Satan. And you say, how can they do that? I don't know. But they did. They did. And they took that which was good and they acted as if it was wicked. And they, they attributed it and they talked. And you say, that's not right. It's not right. But they did it. It's injustice. But they did it. And this is what I want you to see this morning. Is that if that happened to your teacher, it's going to happen to you too. If that happens to your master... They will see you as one group. They won't see you as, well, he's just a slave of the master. He says, no, he's just like his master. He's part of that household. I want you to get that last word. How much more will they malign those of his household? And this morning, I want, I want you to ask the question, are you a part of his household? And, and and even maybe another question, do you want to be part of his household? I couldn't help uh, but think of a psalm, uh, Psalm 84. Psalm 84, if you want to turn over there. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful psalm that describes kind of what we're thinking of this morning uh, in Matthew chapter 10. And uh, the psalmist is longing for the courts of the Lord. He, he's talking about being in communion with Him. And the psalmist says this it, as he's talking about just... And it's in the midst of a persecuting world, right? A world that hates our God. But the psalmist writes this under his inspiration, God's inspiration. He says this, For a day in your courts is better... Than a thousand elsewhere. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And as I share this with you this morning, I want you to get the picture of the household of God. And, and, and a household of God has a target on it. 
The, the mere identification with the household of God, that means you're a targeted person. And you say, well, I don't want to be a targeted person. Then you don't want to be in the household of God. And I want to tell you, as Jesus shared this, he was not saying, it's going to be bad, so you don't want to be a part of my disciples. He was saying that it's going to be bad, but it's well worth it. It's well worth it to be a part of my household. Three things for us this morning as we tie up our time. First thing is this. Uh, it's His work that He will get done, not you. You be a faithful worker, God will be a, in charge of getting it all done, okay? That we are not to concern ourselves with, oh no, I, I got to do this or I got to do that. Do what God wants you to do. Be a faithful worker. The second thing is this, to, to remind yourself, and these are things to remember. He is the teacher, master. I am the learner, servant. I am the learner, servant. See yourself as that. Picture yourself as that. You know, when you get this this picture in your mind, hey, somebody should do that. Well, who should do that? It should be one of those slave types. And you say, oh, I'm a slave type. Maybe that's me. That's what I should do. Make that connection. Remember that you are a learner slave type. And lastly, it is good to be in his household. It is good to be in his household. At any cost, at any price, whatever it takes, it is good to be in his household. Please join with me in prayer. Father, I ask that you would remind us of the goodness of being in relationship with your son, Jesus, to be in his kingdom to be identified with Him, and even to take the persecution that follows. God, I pray that You would call people to Yourself even this morning, that You would help them to weigh all that they have against all that You would give them. And may they see it as worthless, the things that they have uh, uh, had in their lives, the things that they have clinged to, the things that they have been about. God, direct our time now as we celebrate what your Son has done on our behalf. We thank you in Jesus' name.